This is Ahead of the Curve, a Bankers Podcast. Welcome to this episode of Ahead of the Curve, a Bankers Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Thomas Curley, and I'm here with Zach Englert, who's a manager of the Abrigo Advisory Services team. Uh, he helps provide institutions with real-time solutions in the form of applicable credit risk management strategies and regulatory compliance. Uh, he routinely speaks at conferences and on webinars covering current events and the impact on financial institutions' portfolios. So, Zach, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you on. Awesome, Tom. Is happy to be here. Looking forward to our conversation today. So uh, we'll jump right in. Uh, on September 28th, so just uh, last week or so, uh, the OCC released uh, their fiscal year 2024 uh, bank supervision operating plan. I'm curious to get your take on it and uh, why does that matter to um, our, our listeners and banks? So when the OCC is speaking on regulatory guidance, this is super important for the vast majority of our institutions because the regulatory agencies work hand in hand with one another. And the OCC is one of the largest regulators that works with community financial institutions. So when we're talking about what they are defining as their supervision priorities and objectives for the year, they are pulling together their playbook that they are handing to their examiners and saying, this is what we want you to focus on going into 2024. And like any good sports team, if I am getting the opposing team's playbook, I want to know what I should be able to expect this year. And this is something that is a expansion upon a prior document, which showcased the 2023 through the 2027 focal points from the OCC. And this is something that's going to really expand upon that and should be a major topic of conversation for most likely not just OCC examined banks in 2024, but probably those who are regulated by the FDIC, as well as the Federal Reserve as well. Well, I was able to take a quick look um, at the you know the priorities, and a couple stuck out to me: um, interest rate risk and liquidity, in particular. I know have been top of mind for many institutions this year. Um, what are some of your takes on uh, what was said in there, and what banks should look forward to coming up this year? Many of the institutions that we've worked with this calendar year have been heavily focused on asset liability management, looking at some of those liquidity stress tests, and in particular, looking at that interest rate risk. This year was the first time in nearly five years that we've had institutions fail. So when those institutions fail, the major returning focal point is going to be credit risk. And this year was a time period where we actually weren't seeing those banks fail because of credit risk. It was because deposits or funding issues where deposits are leaving the institution, as well as that interest rate risk where you're showing these massive losses or unrealized losses because of that interest rate volatility that we've seen this year. So the question is, how are we able to prepare for that? How are we able to focus on that? And how are we able to answer those potential regulatory questions? I think going into 2024, we're going to go into a year where when we're talking about stress testing, we are rapidly moving from a check the box exercise to a pedal to the metal what actually does this mean for my institution? So a lot of institutions, when they've gone through their capital planning process on an annual basis, it's been relatively vanilla over the past couple of years. We've been in low interest rate environment really since 2012. And not only that, but we've seen relatively low volatility when it comes to those interest rates. Coming into this year, institutions are going to have to heavily focus on their deposit stability, their liquidity, capital, 
heavy focus on earnings in those net interest margins. And behind all of that, they're going to be able or they're going to have to be required to be able to showcase that in the event that we have these disruptive market events, how's that going to impact your institutions? So the supervisory focus there is going to be focusing on back testing and stress testing all of the plans that you're putting together. And you need to have those contingency plans to back that up. Your plan B if plan A fails. A big focal point there is going to be funding plans, establishing borrowing lines, looking at that collateral management process. And can you access contingency liquidity sources in an efficient and timely manner? The focus for the examiners is going to be whether those funding sources are going to be able to meet those potential needs and are those periodically tested. So this is going to be a big focal point from going to the can you do this to if you have to do this, what does that process actually look like? And institutions today may not be prepared for that. And the time to be discussing this is ahead of your regulatory exam, not when your regulator is sitting on the opposite side of the table for you. So I think that back testing and stress testing on both the interest rate risk as well as the liquidity risk side is going to be a major point of contention and a major focal point for the OCC going into 2024. Gotcha, gotcha. And so I know you know you, we talked about the interest rate risk and liquidity stressors. Um, is there some stuff on stress testing on the credit risk side they they touched on as well? So they kind of bullet point out within the document what they're focusing on. Number one being that ALM side of the house, that asset liability management side. That second bullet point is going to be credit risk. So once again, this is an area where institutions have had incredibly low loss rates over the past 10 years at this point in time, and that is going to vary institution by institution. But if we strictly look at a year-over-year move, a lot of institutions are heavy, heavy commercial lenders. If you look at all FDIC-insured institutions, that's going to be about 4,645 as of Q2. And 2,521 of those are commercial lenders. Well, what's the buzzword in the commercial lending space right now is office, 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 office. And at this point in time, what we're going to be focusing on is the loss rates or the non-current loans or the past due loans that are in those portfolios. At this point in time, as of last year, we were looking at net charge-off rates at the end of the year. So the full year of 2022 was right at 27 basis points. The year-to-date numbers for that is going to be 45 basis points for the net charge-off rates for all loans. The heavy focus of that has been in consumer lending, consumer or loans to individuals, not necessarily real estate-backed consumer lending. We haven't seen loss rates at those levels at about 205 basis points since 2020, although it is still lower than 2019, although we're halfway through the year. So generally what you're seeing within a credit cycle is those consumer loans are going to be leading the charge in terms of expected losses. Right now, real estate secured or commercial lending is going to be heavily focused for potentially next year, which is why I think that they're going to be focusing on how can we determine that credit. Because institutions today aren't seeing a lot of commercial real estate charge-offs or commercial portfolio charge-offs, we're going to be focusing on the preventative measures. So are you performing loan reviews? Is that happening in a timely manner? Are you getting updated data? Does that data materially impact your portfolio? For your loans that are supposed to be repricing this year, are you performing stress tests that showcase when you reprice that loan from 5.5% to 10%, that that debt service is still something that they're going to be able to pay under a adverse economic environment. 
So really focusing on those higher risk portfolios, in particular commercial real estate, focusing on that risk rating accuracy, as well as different mitigation practices that you can walk through and having plans for any forbearance or modification programs that you may need to leverage is going to be a key component of what your regulators are going to be focusing on. In the meantime, your examiners are going to be looking and saying, does the bank maintain effective risk management practices that are going to credibly challenge your portfolio, especially in the event that we go through an adverse economic environment and we move from that may have risk to then have risk on the portfolio? So lots of lots of focal points there, lots of stressing that's going on. And again, this is building out that enterprise risk practice type of approach that institutions are going to be able to leverage there. Well, I think you hit on a, a topic that everybody always has in their mind, even when we're uh, not in the times that we are in right now, which is commercial real estate, commercial real estate, CRE. I feel like I just see that everywhere. So um, to your point of maybe not seeing the losses there yet, but if that's going to be something that we think might be happening in the future, I'm getting ahead of that and looking forward to some of the 2024 priorities on that front. Certainly. Some of the things that'll tie into that, we're talking about the actual charge-off side, but that is going to tie into what you're performing for the allowance for credit loss. 2023 is the first time a lot of regulators are seeing the CECL standard, which is that new accounting methodology that institutions are leveraging going into 2023 if you weren't publicly traded. Examiners are getting more familiar with that. And so we're going to move from some of those entry-level questions into the underlying assumptions that are built within your model and how accurate are those assumptions. So expect those allowance model exams or examinations to go from are you doing a CISO model to what's actually included in that CISO model. So that's going to be a focal point going forward, again, highlighting all of what I would capture within that credit risk type of format. So we've talked a lot about uh, the different risk that was kind of pointed out within the different priorities. Were there any other items that you think might be worth calling out uh, as you read through them? Certainly. There is a lot in that material that they provided that I'm not as focused on or I don't want to consider myself to have any level of expertise. I think cybersecurity is going to continue to be a main focal point for different institutions. That's going to be a topic of conversation. I think that's a, a focal point for everyone. They're also going to be looking at things like the operations of your institutions and the different products and services and relationships that institutions have and tying that in with things like distributed ledger technology related activities where they're going to be focusing on crypto and different crypto assets that are tied out. Again, I don't have familiarity with those types of items, but I think that institutions should still focal or have focus and tie into those key points to make sure they can accurately speak to those items. But something I did want to call out as we kind of go through this bullet list is change management. There has been a significant amount of change in the banking space over the past three and a half years. One of the main things that I want to highlight is when we're talking about institutions on a year-over-year basis, at the end of 2019 in a pre-COVID environment, there were 5,177 FDIC-insured institutions. Today, there are 4,645. So since that point in time, we're seeing mergers on a recurring basis. At this point in time, year to date, we've seen 57 mergers through Q2. That is a lot of change management practices that is going to be going in place. And that's just showcasing when institutions are coming together, when you're consolidating assets, systems, people. That's not even talking about when you're bringing on technology, when you're bringing on new management. There is a strict focus 
on a lot of moving parts within these different institutions. And I think that change management is something that we're heavily focused on here at Abrigo because our institutions are heavily focused on it. So when you're talking about M&A activity, system conversions, different regulatory requirements, and how you're going to implement that, you want to make sure that when you put time and effort into these processes, that you're getting benefit out of them. And having an effective change management structure is going to give you the capability to hit the ground running as you go through these processes, especially when you're spending money and resources to build these out. You want to make sure that you're getting an immediate ROI on that versus 6, 12, 18 months down the road. So I think that change management is an all-in-capturing type of item that we can look at for a lot of these additional components of the regulatory expectations going into a 2024 type of environment. So definitely focusing on that there as well. I think that's a great point to bring up, and especially given the season we're in with budgeting, we've got strategic planning, you know, all that going on. You know, that's that's going to be a big part of not only just from a people perspective, technology as you related to. So I think that's um, something that I think even us at Abrigo can work on. Sometimes change management is a good one to have a nice uh, a nice structure in place for making sure that you're taking advantage of you know the, the opportunities that you have and making sure you've got the right processes in place to, to act on them. Certainly. There are a lot lot of moving parts there. And I think tying that into a process-based approach versus a we'll get to it when we get to it based approach is going to make it a lot easier, not just on the clients, not just on your borrowers, but also on the management team and the structure that you're building at your respective institution. Great. No, that makes sense. So let's go ahead and wrap things up here, Zach. We've hit on uh, lots of different types of risks. We've hit on different uh, models. We've hit on different processes and procedures, change management. You know, a lot of cybersecurity was even mentioned. Um, kind of how would you how would you kind of wrap up the big takeaways? Someone listen to this podcast today. Certainly. So I think the main focal point there is going to be you are going to be asked a lot of questions about a lot of these different materials. The main focal point is going to be. Is it repetitive? Can you do this on a recurring basis? Does it allow for you to have flexibility within these frameworks and models? And can you backtest and validate that information? So when we're talking about ALM models, you need to be able to know that if I put in X coming out the other side is going to be other information, other capabilities that allow you to have an effective but flexible framework and that you know that those answers are going to be correct, recognizing it's a hypothetical environment. So having approachable frameworks that you can leverage on an ongoing basis is going to be hugely important, but you also want to make sure that there's an element of model validation behind all of these models and frameworks so that you know that it's going to be functional on an ongoing basis. We have a lot of institutions that are working with us in a third-party capacity, and one of the things I would highlight there is everything going through this list, you have the capability to do on your own. But in the same way that sometimes it can be less expensive to change the oil in your driveway, it may be more effective and (laughs) more cost appropriate to go and get it changed by uh, someone who does it for a living. And this is a lot of information in here that sometimes you may need a partner that can do this on a more effective or more appropriate basis. And we at Abrigo are definitely interested in being able to handle that for those different institutions, recognizing there's a lot of risk out there. But we have a lot of frameworks that we found that work really well, both internally as well as externally and for your regulators. Couldn't have said it better myself, Zach. I think uh, we're definitely positioned to help. But I think it's just good to read through to your point that we kind of got the answers to the test ahead of time. And so how can you uh, study and make sure you're prepared uh, for these focus areas coming up in the future? 
Uh, for those of you that are new listeners or maybe haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you can find this podcast and future episodes on abrigo.com or you can find it on your favorite podcast app or platform. Uh, just search Ahead of the Curve at Bankers Podcast or simply Abrigo and we should pop right up. I just want to thank uh, Zach so much for uh, jumping on the podcast today and thank you all so much for listening and we will be back again with you soon on our next episode. Thanks. Thanks.